everyone. I'm Sam. And I'm Sean. And you're listening to Key to the Case. Today is the first case we are covering by a listener's recommendation. So thank you very much to Melanie for sharing this case with us on Instagram. I was not familiar with this case or the other ones Melanie brought to her attention. So it's great to learn about new cases. If there is a case you'd like to hear us cover, you can always reach out to us through Instagram at Key of the Case Podcast, or you can email us at keytothecase at gmail.com. So thank you again for the suggestion, Melanie, and for listening to the show. I also want to give attribution to True Crime Garage because they did an interview with the victim's wife in the case we're talking about today, shortly after the victim disappeared. So I got a lot of useful information from that interview. All right. Are you ready to jump in? I am. Let's do it. Tyler Davis was 29 years old at the time of his disappearance in 2019. Tyler is described as a kind soul, a hard worker, and a dedicated family man. Tyler spent much of his time working as a night shift manager for a fast food restaurant, but when he wasn't working, he enjoyed playing video games and spending time with his family and friends. Tyler met the woman who he would eventually marry, named Brittany, in 2013 at their shared place of employment where Tyler was her manager. They developed a friendship, which they maintained for two to three years before they ever explored a more serious relationship. They became pregnant with a baby boy in 2016, Aaron, who was named after the former Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Brittany gave birth in the summer of 2017, and they got married later that year. Tyler's described as a wonderful father. He adored his son, and Brittany has even said that she believes he's a better father than she is mother. He was always teaching him something new, and he had this way of being completely attentive to Aaron when they spent time together. Tyler and Brittany lived in the suburban city of Wilmington, Ohio, which has a population just under 13,000. Brittany worked as a bartender, and I think it's important in this case to note that because they were both working nights and they were accustomed to different schedules from what many people are used to. Brittany and Tyler didn't go out much, and Brittany explained that they were kind of homebodies, and with having a young child, they didn't spend a lot of time with friends, so there were three days in a year, Brittany's birthday, Tyler's birthday, and their anniversary that were designated to have fun, go out, and do something different. And Tyler's parents typically watch their child during these occasions. So February 24th is Brittany's birthday, and with it being one of their special occasions, they decided to take a trip to the eastern area of Columbus, Ohio. This area is a little over an hour's drive away from where they lived in Wilmington, so it was far enough away to feel like a getaway trip, but not so far away that they needed to be gone for multiple days to make it worthwhile. Columbus is also only about a 30-minute drive away from Circleville, where Tyler's parents lived. They specifically planned to stay at the Hilton Hotel in the Easton Town Center. And this area is interesting. I've done a lot of reading online about this location, and it almost seems like the way it's described really depends on who you ask. But Easton Town Center itself offers 235 retail stores, 40 restaurants, Ohio's largest movie theater, and a comedy club. The general impression I got is that the town center is nice, but once you get 
outside of there, it's not necessarily considered an upscale area. But like with many neighborhoods, Easton has its areas that aren't as nice or safe. Tyler worked late, as he typically would, the night prior to their departure, and he didn't arrive home until around 3 or 3.30 a.m. after having worked an 11 or 12-hour shift. Once he arrived home, he played a video game, and Brittany finished up packing for the trip. They finally went to bed around 5.30 a.m. They were supposed to meet Tyler's parents at noon to drop off their son and to get lunch that day, but they both overslept until 12.30 p.m. Once they realized they'd overslept, they quickly got ready and hit the road. So I have a couple questions here. You said they both work night shift and they have a about two-year-old son. I guess I'm just kind of wondering who's watching the kid during the day because I'm assuming they're catching up on sleep during the day to get ready for their night shifts. And then the second question I have is they overslept till about 1230 or 1 p.m. Is the kid just sleeping during this time or you know who's, I, who's watching the kid at this time? I guess it didn't sound like anyone else was there with them. So I assume he was just sleeping, but I kind of had the same question since it was considered oversleeping. I kind of thought most kids would be awake at that time, but I think their son was also on a different schedule. But regarding your first question, it's a little confusing because in the true crime garage interview, Brittany repeatedly says that she's a bartender. But then I believe in another interview, I heard her say that she was a stay-at-home mom. So I'm wondering if she used to work as a bartender for a long time and then she possibly took on the role of being a stay-at-home mom. So it could be that when he's at work, she's at home with him, or maybe they have help from family. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's not super critical to the case, but it was just something that was rattling around in my brain. Right. I don't think it's critical to this case, but definitely worth asking. After lunch with Tyler's parents, they said goodbye to their 20-month-old son, and they headed to the hotel in Columbus where they checked in just before 5 p.m. A couple of Brittany's friends and one of Tyler's friends who lived in Columbus were supposed to spend the evening with them, but Brittany's friends weren't able to make it, so Tyler and Brittany were just joined by Tyler's friend. This friend will be mentioned quite a few times, and his name has largely been left out of reports in this case, so we will leave it out as well and give him the pseudonym of John. Tyler, Brittany, and John spent a little bit of time at the hotel and began their night by leaving the hotel on foot around 8.30 p.m. They explored the area a bit until they stopped at a restaurant slash bar called Bar Louie around 9.20 or 9.30. Brittany had two drinks and Tyler had half a drink, but something about Tyler that I think is interesting is that he doesn't really like mixed drinks or beer, according to Brittany. So as we discuss how much Tyler consumed, how much alcohol he consumed, we will be talking about shots. Or Brittany said he likes scotch on the rocks. So they paid their tab at Bar Louie at 10.19 p.m. and they went to a different bar called Adobe, which was next door. They had some more drinks and left sometime between 11.30 and 12. It should be noted that Brittany mentioned in her interview that they were attempting to be wingmen for John. So presumably he was single and he possibly wanted to meet someone while they were out. That's not confirmed, but I don't know what else it would mean to be wingmen for him. 
They had two room keys to their hotel, so they gave John one of the room keys in the event that he needed to crash on their hotel room couch that night, and Tyler had the other room key. Their next and final stop of the night was a gentleman's club called the Dollhouse, where they arrived at 12.45 a.m. Okay, so they're going to a strip club. I'm wondering whose idea this was. I'm assuming John's. Okay, so (laughs) Brittany actually admitted, yeah, you would think it would be John's, but Brittany actually admitted that going to the dollhouse was her idea. She'd never been to an establishment like that before and thought it would be fun. All right. According to the Dollhouse Yelp page, they offer a large selection of rare top-shelf vodka, scotch, and beautiful women. The Dollhouse characterizes itself as the finest gentleman's club in Columbus. As is expected, they all continue to drink while at the Dollhouse, and they each had three or four more drinks. They interacted with several of the women who worked there, and John kind of did his own thing while they were there. Brittany went to the restroom after they had been there for a while, and as she was coming out from the bathroom, she noticed all the lights had been turned on, and an employee of the club started telling Tyler and John that they need to leave, at which point Tyler explained that they were waiting for Brittany, but the employee was adamant that they needed to get out. Finally, Brittany returned from the restroom, and they all left. Brittany said she didn't think much of that situation at that time, but looking back, it seemed kind of strange to her. Personally, I think the guy most likely wanted everyone out of the club so they could shut down for the night. They probably dealt with their fair share of guys trying to hang around after close, and I I don't think this detail plays into Tyler's disappearance. So did one of them do something and they were getting kicked out? No, they were just being asked to leave because it was time to close. And in the True Crime Garage interview, one of the hosts mentioned, because they are from this area, um, one of the hosts mentioned that this is kind of a thing in Columbus, it sounds like, at bars and gentlemen's clubs where it's time to close, get out, basically. They don't want people hanging around. Yeah, very hard cut off. Yes, exactly. So after they exited the gentlemen's club, they came to the realization that all of their phones were low on battery. Tyler didn't have the Uber app on his phone, and Brittany asked John to order the Uber. The Uber driver, who was a young man, arrived at the club right at 3 a.m., and they all piled into the car. Brittany and Tyler sat in the back, and John sat in the front passenger seat. Now, this was only about a 15 to 20-minute drive away from the hotel, but Tyler fell asleep during the ride. Brittany explained during her True Crime Garage interview that as soon as she noticed Tyler fell asleep, she thought, oh, great. Because Tyler, once he's asleep, if he's woken up, he can kind of get grumpy and crabby, she said. And alcohol is only going to exacerbate the issue. So she was not looking forward to waking Tyler up once they got to the hotel, which made me think, man, if she's dreading waking him up, she must have dealt with this many times in the past. And it must be pretty bad every time because... I was thinking it's not all that uncommon to be a little grumpy or disoriented when woken up, especially if you've been drinking. But evidently with Tyler, this was a little more of an issue than what I would expect. So to have fallen asleep during a 15, 20-minute Uber ride, I'm assuming he was pretty drunk, right? Yeah, it was kind of hard to keep track of how many drinks they had. But yes, I would say drunk at that point. So we aren't really certain really how drunk he was. 
No. What I will say is that I didn't get the impression that he was completely plastered or anything. No one said that, but I'm thinking he was pretty drunk. I guess that's how I'd put it. I can't tell you exactly how many drinks he consumed. And alcohol is a depressant. It's a downer. So a lot of people do feel tired after drinking. And we have to keep in mind that Tyler had worked six days straight prior to this, and he worked 10 to 12-hour shifts. So being extremely exhausted and then drinking is kind of a perfect storm to just pass out. So they arrived at the hotel at 3.18 a.m., and Brittany noticed that John had fallen asleep too. So she decided to wake him first, which some people find odd. I don't. I think she probably just wanted his help in waking Tyler up. So he woke up, and they proceeded to attempt to wake Tyler. And he did wake up, but he wanted a few minutes to adjust. But at that point, the Uber driver started to get a little annoyed. For all we know, this could have been his last ride of the night, and he wanted to go home. So they just kind of pulled him out of the car and he started saying things like, where are we? Where's our ride going? This isn't where we're supposed to be. So he's clearly confused and disoriented about what's going on. I feel like if I was in Brittany's situation, I probably would have just told the Uber driver, hey, can you just brake really hard to wake him up so I don't have to be the one to wake him up? Because apparently he gets very angry when he gets woken up. So if it was the... Uber driver who just hit hit the brakes kind of hard and woke Tyler up, then I suppose that would be a better situation for me if I was in Brittany's shoes. Yeah, well, I see your point. I wouldn't do that because I think I'd worry about waking him up so abruptly that could make the situation even worse. I think they wanted to wake him up gently in the hopes that he could slowly wake up, maybe orient himself to where he was and everything, but clearly that didn't happen. So who knows? Maybe what you're saying would have been better. Yeah, I've never known anyone who gets super angry when they're woke. I mean, I I get irritable if I get woken up. I don't... It seems like she was walking around on eggshells being like, oh my God, I don't want to wake him up because he's going to get super angry. Well, to me, this is where I think the alcohol is also a factor. So maybe... He's a little grumpy normally when he gets woken up, but then you combine alcohol. Some people are quicker to, they have a shorter fuse when they drink. So it could be a combination of the two. If he were sober and was just woken up, maybe he'd get his bearings a little bit quicker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just a suspicion on my part though. Brittany and John tried to explain to him that they were standing in front of their hotel, but he wasn't having any of it and he walked away. Brittany followed after him, naturally, but John said, don't worry about it, and he reassured her that he would handle the situation. So Brittany went up to the hotel room to charge her phone, go to the bathroom, and things along those lines. This all took about 10 minutes, so presumably she didn't get her phone battery up too much at that point. And then she headed back down to the lobby. I think now would be a good time to remind you all that this was in February in Ohio, so I would expect it to be pretty cold, but in reviewing historical weather records, it was in the mid-50s Fahrenheit or around 13 degrees Celsius. So while that's not necessarily warm, it's not nearly as cold as what I would have guessed. I mean, if you're in Ohio, that's pretty nice weather. I know. And the low for this day was actually 29 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 1.6 degrees Celsius. But that was from the night of February 24th, not the early morning hour. So that kind of 
shows you how this was probably not typical weather for Columbus and February. So to me, it's still not warm enough for walking around to be super comfortable. Yeah, but I suppose if he was pretty drunk, then it, it would have been comfortable for him. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't bother him as much. So Brittany continually attempted to contact Tyler through text. She called him. She even tried to message him and call him through Facebook, all the while her phone was still losing battery rapidly. He didn't pick up her calls or text her. He called her back at 3.37 a.m. and apologized for his actions, and he told her he was smoking a cigarette and that he'd be back in a minute. And learning the fact that Tyler smoked cigarettes was kind of helpful in the story for me because I was thinking maybe his plan when he walked off was to go smoke a cigarette or two before he went back up to the hotel, maybe to help him calm down. This seemed to quell Brittany's concerns for the time being, although she was frustrated by the situation. She thought he'd be back any minute. Suddenly, John materialized, and Brittany didn't understand why Tyler wasn't with him. John told her not to worry about it, and that Tyler was probably just cooling off and that he would be back soon. I thought John was going to go find Tyler, or be with him and walk with him, right? That's what, yes, that's why she was upset, I think, because she thought the same thing. So I'm kind of speculating, but maybe Tyler and John had a disagreement, and that's why John came back and Tyler was still out there. Yeah, or maybe Tyler just said, hey, man, I'm fine. I'm just going to smoke a couple cigarettes. I'll be back soon. And John came back at that point. Yeah, that could be too. And John reassured Brittany that you can't get lost in the area that they were in with the Hilton Hotel being the biggest, one of the biggest buildings in that area. It's hard to miss. Brittany grew increasingly panicked because Now she knew that Tyler was alone, and this was out of character. This whole situation of him separating himself was strange. Becoming grumpy when he's woken up was not strange, but walking off like this was not like him, according to Brittany. Tyler called Brittany again at 4.03 or 4.10 a.m., depending on the source, and he said, I'm sorry. I see the hotel. I'll be there in five minutes. I'm walking through the woods. Brittany wondered what he meant by the woods, but she clarified during her True Crime Garage interview that Tyler was not an outdoorsy person, so the woods to him could have just been a few trees. It didn't necessarily have to be a heavily wooded area. I suppose it's a little strange that he's saying he's in the woods when he can clearly see the hotel in a somewhat urban environment in Columbus. I agree. Personally, if I can see a building, I'm not in the woods. (laughs) That's just how I feel. And we also don't know if he was actually seeing the Hilton Hotel. Some have speculated that he could have just been looking at another building. I know it was one of the bigger ones, but he could have been looking at another building of a similar size or even smaller and thinking it was the hotel. Not long after the phone call between Brittany and Tyler that lasted a few minutes, Tyler called her again, and the call lasted about four seconds, but he didn't speak. He wouldn't respond. It's possible this was a pocket dial. So Brittany tried to call Tyler back, and the call went straight to voicemail, which indicated that his phone finally died. I'm assuming they did not have iPhones, and therefore were not. she was not using 
the Find My Friends app. Right, right. There was no mention of any sort of location tracking of Tyler, either through Find My Friends or even Snapchat. I know he had a Snapchat account, but probably wasn't on Snapchat during this, and therefore his location wouldn't be tracked live. But his phone had been low on battery since they left the club, so it was really only a matter of time before it fully ran out. John tried to tell Brittany everything would be okay, Tyler would find his way back, and he decided to leave. They got into an argument at that point because Brittany was frustrated and scared, but what I think compounds this is the fact that she was in an area that she wasn't familiar with. She had no one to call who was nearby or who could help, and he was one of the only people she knew who lived in Columbus, and he just left the whole situation. Okay, do you think you would have left in this situation if you were the friend? Absolutely not. No, I would want to make sure my friend makes it home before I left, even if I lived in that city. You know, I I know he's pretty drunk at this point and he's just walking around in an unfamiliar city. I would want to make sure he gets back before I left. Yeah, I don't think I would leave either. I definitely wouldn't leave one of my girlfriends, that's for sure. But at the same time, to be fair, no one thought he was going to disappear forever in that moment, right? Like, even if you, for some reason, you did leave, you would never think he's never going to be seen again. I just don't think that thought crosses your mind. And if the friend did talk to him, maybe he calmed his concerns enough. And the last time he saw him, maybe he was just smoking a cigarette. He's like, I'll be back over there soon. I don't know. I think people really pick apart his actions. And while I don't think it's what I would do, I suppose I can see why. But my other problem with it is, wasn't he drinking? Like, I'm a little confused because he's driving home at that point. So like, was he above the legal limit? I don't know that he would have had enough time to be sober enough to drive, but I don't have answers for that either. You know, unless he's just Ubering home, which I'm assuming he would be if he'd been drinking. No, my understanding was he drove home. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, probably not advisable. Yeah, I don't think so. I, yeah. So Brittany called one of her close friends and she charged her phone in the hotel room again for about 20 to 25 minutes. She wanted her friend to stay on the line with her while she began searching for Tyler. She searched for Tyler for a while until she hit a point about a mile from the hotel where there were no streetlights. She grew uncomfortable, as many people would, and she headed back to the hotel. So Brittany was able to find her way back to the hotel. Which is kind of interesting since she was just as drunk as Tyler was, from what I understand. Yeah, I suppose that's interesting. But, you know, between you and I, you have a very good internal compass. Like, you know, which way is north and south, even if you're in an unfamiliar city, as opposed to me. I I get turned around very easily if I'm not in Kansas City. Like, if, if I was in Kansas City, I would know my way around very well. Even if I was in an unfamiliar part of the city, I would I'd know which way's north and south. But if I was in an unfamiliar city, I I would get turned around very easily. And, and maybe it's the 
same situation between Brittany and Tyler. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And she could have been using maps on her phone to direct her to. I will say, I don't know if you just flopped me down in Columbus, in this part of Columbus, if I would have figured it out in the nighttime. But maybe you're really overestimating my skills. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but maybe his phone may have been dead by then. Yes, and we will learn a little bit more about what he was trying to do. So Brittany's friend, who was still on the phone with her, comforted Brittany and told her that Tyler could even be at the hotel. But when she got back, he wasn't there. So Brittany racked her brain on who she knew, who could be of assistance pretty immediately. I kept thinking she needed a vehicle to go search for him in because searching on foot is time-consuming and dangerous, too. She could have possibly found him much quicker in a vehicle, but she didn't have access to one because Tyler had the keys to the car and their friend left. Brittany contacted a close friend of hers and Tyler's who recently moved to Columbus to see if he could assist in the search for Tyler, and he agreed to help. The sun had finally risen at that point, and they set off on their search together, but found no trace of Tyler And the thought came up again that since they'd been out searching for about an hour, he could have made it back to the hotel. But again, when they returned to the hotel, he was, of course, not there. Brittany called jails and local hospitals to see if Tyler had been arrested or admitted to a hospital, but he hadn't. The friend suggested she make contact with Tyler's family because it was 10.30 a.m. and they still hadn't found him. But Brittany hesitated initially She didn't want to panic his parents, which is quite considerate because if I were in this situation and you were the one who walked off, I would have already called your parents. (laughs) And I think as parents, you would probably want to learn about this sooner rather than later. So she did call them and Tyler's dad pretty much immediately left his home to come help search for him. Brittany said in her True Crime Garage interview that his dad probably walked upwards of 30 miles that day, and that he searched seemingly every inch of the area with no luck. After searching for hours, it became evident they needed help from the police, and they filed a missing persons report. But the first reaction they received from the police was, well, he's a grown man. He's not a child or an elderly person, so they weren't going to prioritize his case right away. So while I understand this, I do think the circumstances here are relevant. He was intoxicated and exhausted. There was no indication that he wanted to truly get away from Brittany. This is nothing like the Tina Satchel disappearance we covered in episode six, in which maybe Tina did leave on her own. But I can see how so early on as an investigator, you might be thinking he'll turn up. But that's never going to feel reassuring as a family member in a situation like this. According to a 2019 article from Columbus Monthly, the head of the Missing Persons and Exploited Children's Unit, Sergeant Daniel Weaver, said about the matter, quote, These are difficult cases, but they're not oddities. We've got a handful of them now. It is difficult to tell reporting people, whether they're friends or family, that their loved one can just leave without telling anybody, end quote. The first search by police was conducted on Tuesday, February 26th, so two days after Tyler went missing. There are several small wooded patches in the area Tyler disappeared from that were a focus in addition to a few ponds that were nearby, and I plan to post an aerial view of this area on our Instagram. 
I'm a visual person, so I had to look at this myself. Brittany shared that the police told her that one of the dogs involved in the search got a hit at one of the ponds. So they used sonar technology and a dive team to search the pond, as well as other ponds, but they did not find Tyler or any of his belongings, such as his phone, wallet, or shoes. So with a lack of physical evidence, police turned to sifting through Tyler's phone records. They wanted to determine Tyler's approximate location through its proximity to cell towers. His phone pinged off a cell tower near Costco, which is under seven-tenths of a mile away from the Hilton Hotel, or a little over one kilometer. But Brittany explained that there's a two-mile radius associated with this tower, so it doesn't tell you much. However, they were able to review data from Tyler's Google account. It was collecting location data from his phone before the battery died, and they were able to establish a much more precise trail and a photo pinpointing where his phone was tracked in order was shared by the police. And I'll share that to our Instagram too. Might be a little blurry, but I'll do my best. So when I looked at it, my first thought was he's lost. You can tell from this trail that he didn't know where he was going, but the final location his phone linked to was at 3.53 a.m., near Abbott Labs along Stelzer Road and Morse Crossing. Abbott Labs is about a 33-minute walk away from the Hilton Hotel, according to Google Maps. But what you can also discern from the image is where he was during the 337 phone call where he apologized to Brittany. And he was about a 15-minute walk away from the hotel, which makes sense if they arrived at the hotel at 318 and he walked off shortly after. So his last tracking information was at 3.53 a.m. And his phone call, his last phone call after that was after that around 4 a.m. So there must not have been more tracking information after that phone call, I'm assuming, right? Well, after the 3.53, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. I think maybe it cut off after 353 and they couldn't track him anymore unless they just decided to not release that information. I don't really see why that would be if they're willing to release everything up to that uh, 353 a.m. tracking. Once this location data was retrieved, another search was conducted near Abbott Labs, but again, nothing was found. Just over seven months after Tyler went missing in October 2019, An audio clip that was gathered from Tyler's phone was released where he can be heard saying, take me to Easton Suites. At least that's what is believed to be said. Presumably, he intended to say, take me to Easton Suites into his phone and the directions would pop up. And also, surely he meant to say the Hilton Hotel, but in the state he was in, it's not hard to imagine how he could have been confused about where they were staying. Tyler sounded pretty inebriated in the audio clip to me. It was a short clip, so it's kind of hard to say, but his speech sounded a bit slurred. This clue indicated to the police that Tyler wanted to get back to Brittany and back to the hotel, despite being confused about which hotel he was staying at. So if there were any doubts about Tyler's intentions or any questions about if he had aspirations to leave his life and start anew, those doubts were squashed. There was a review of video footage from the establishments in the area, and they came upon 
video footage that appeared to show Tyler walking near the hotel, but it was later uncovered that it was John in the video. He has a similar appearance to Tyler, similar build and everything. To the best of my knowledge, there was no other relevant video footage found and Tyler was not caught on camera, which is surprising because this was in 2019 and he was in an area with an excess of buildings, but the direction he walked wasn't as populated with establishments as the main town center area. But I'd be surprised if Abbott Labs didn't have cameras that captured him where his phone's location was last tracked. There have been new articles and coverage of the case since this point, but no new evidence has been released. Further investigation uncovered that since Tyler's disappearance, there's been no activity on his bank account or credit cards or his social media accounts. So there are two prominent theories in this case, and if you look online, you'll find a lot more than two, but some of them are sub-theories within one of the main theories, and then others are just complete conspiracies. So we're not going to delve into those, but I do want to address one of them. So some suspect that Tyler's friend, who we gave the pseudonym John, was involved in his disappearance. According to ABC6 News, he hired an attorney shortly after Tyler went missing, and he has remained out of the media, unlike Brittany. I haven't seen any media appearances of him. Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of hung up on John really disappearing after, you know, Brittany is asking him, you know, where's, where's Tyler? Where'd he go? And John's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm heading out. If that was my buddy who was still walking around drunk in an unfamiliar city, I would want to stick around to make sure he got home. I think it's suspicious that he left Brittany to deal with it and try to find Tyler. And yeah, I, I suppose I subscribe to the theory you're talking about where John did have a part in it. But, okay, being a bad friend doesn't make you guilty of making your friend disappear. Like, I don't even understand what people think happened after he left. Do they think he found him walking along the road and then killed him? I mean, it just seems far-fetched. You just mentioned that he hired an attorney and has not spoken since. I would hire an attorney. Would you not? If I was the last person known to be with someone who went missing, I would absolutely hire an attorney. I suppose so, but you'd think you'd want to release a statement like, hey, I was walking around with my friend and I went home and I don't know where you went. Maybe they're advising him to not say anything. And people have harassed this guy. Like People have online have found his address and have taken it upon themselves to harass him. And that's why I think his name has often been left out. I'm not saying that everything he did was right and normal and makes sense, but I just don't know how we go from him possibly being a bad friend in this situation to he made Tyler disappear. Yeah, that's way too far to to go out of your way and harass this guy because there's no direct evidence that leads him to Tyler's disappearance, I'm just saying it. it is a little, maybe not suspicious. Maybe suspicious is the wrong word, but... He should be investigated. Sure, basically. yeah. 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 Well, some even think Britney's behavior is suspicious. 
But I don't have any evidence to share with you that points to John or Brittany's involvement. I think most of the suspicions about them and kind of what we're talking about now are based on the behavior that night. Yeah, I don't think Brittany's too suspicious. I mean, she trusted John to look after Tyler because Tyler said he's going to go walk doing whatever. And Brittany trusted John to be like, okay, I'm I'm going to go walk with him and we'll be back later. She went to go up back to her hotel room, charge her phone, whatever. And, and she trusted that they were going to be back upstairs within a little bit. And I mean, I don't think Brittany has, in my opinion, I don't think Brittany has anything to do with this. I don't think so either. And people have picked apart her interviews with media and said, oh, she doesn't seem emotional enough. I mean, it just is like, give it a rest. I'm sorry. But in this case, I just was surprised by the amount of hate people were spreading and speculation and unfounded theories. And I think we have to just think, what if I were in this situation? Because I think with this case, more than any case we've covered, it feels the most relatable. I'm not saying I think I'll ever be in this situation, but it seems like Brittany didn't think she would either. So while I don't necessarily think I would have responded to the situation the same way they did, I've never been in this situation. And just with this case, there's this vast amount of speculation and conspiracies and harassment from these people who think Brittany and John or Brittany alone or just John harmed Tyler. And it's sad to see. I was reading through some of the online forums related to this case, and I just had to stop because some of the claims are so outlandish. And don't get me wrong. I like Reddit and web sleuths just as much as the next person. I was just surprised by what I saw. And I'm preaching to the choir here. I know our listeners are not the type of people to harass people online or put out crazy theories. I just had to mention it because if you look up this case, you really can't miss it. Brittany told Columbus Monthly, quote, we've all seen how damaging social media is. And there's going to be a point, regardless of the outcome, regardless if Tyler pops up tomorrow, there's going to be a point, maybe 15 years down the road, when our son gets online and finds this. He's going to see people talking so badly about his dad and me. And it's just so awful. I don't think people are considering the gravity of what they're saying and how it can really affect people. I pray to God our son never has to hear about all of that. I really just want Tyler to come home so we can finally move on, end quote. So the first main theory in this case is that Tyler died in a tragic accident or he succumbed to the elements. What makes this theory difficult to understand is that he did not go missing in a rural area. The area did have some small patches of woods and small bodies of water, but nothing to where you would expect that maybe he wouldn't be found. This is not a heavily wooded area by any stretch of the term. Is it possible that he fell into the pond where the dog got a hit and somehow he wasn't found? I think to rule that out, they'd have to drain the pond, which to my understanding has not been done. So they must feel confident in the searches of the pond that they already did. So while it seems completely strange that Tyler could still be there and hasn't been found after extensive searching, 
I think it's possible. And it's possible he just kept walking in the wrong direction of the hotel, going in the opposite direction, kept walking south when he should have been walking north. If that's the case, then he could have gotten pretty far. But with how tired he was, I don't see how he could get miles and miles away on foot. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously he was pretty inebriated. And I'm kind of leaning towards that he may have gotten lost and potentially ran into the wrong group of people, wrong person, and his fate was sealed at that point. I, it's kind of hard to speculate at this point with, with the knowledge that I've received thus far, but there's really nothing else that I could think. I mean, I don't think Brittany or John... John does seem a little suspicious, but I don't think he wanted to kill him. It's kind of hard to speculate at this point, but I I kind of do think he just got lost, ran into the wrong group of people, and they may have tried to rob him or something, and he fought back, and his fate was sealed at that but point. But then they killed him and yeah, got rid it, of his it, body? It, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, it's, I guess that that's pretty hard to you know, justify or argue or whatever, but. I know. But what you're saying, though, kind of is the second main theory that there was foul play involved in Tyler's disappearance. Was it a situation where he was in the wrong place at the wrong time? Did he stumble upon something shady? Did he walk in the middle of the street and get hit by a car? It It's certainly possible that at that hour, someone could have been out driving under the influence, not paying attention, They hit Tyler. Now, here's where it's harder for me to get on board. Then they decide to get rid of his body to avoid being held accountable. I mean, hit and runs do happen. I can, it would make more sense though for him to still be there, like an actual hit and run, not a hit, kill him, and then take his body and get rid of it. I mean, you'd also think there might be blood left behind or some sort of sign that that's what occurred, but. From what I understand, nothing like that was found. And it's too bad in this case. There are no witnesses of anything outside of Brittany and John. But I guess at that time of night, who would really be out to see anything? I guess it seems possible that someone saw him stumbling around or walking around and they offered him a ride and harmed him from there. But he doesn't seem like a typical victim of a crime like that. So I struggle with that one. I struggle with all of these theories, really. Nearly three years after Tyler's disappearance in December 2021, he was declared legally dead by Clinton County Judge Chad L. Carey, which shouldn't come as too much of a surprise since it doesn't seem anyone thinks Tyler is still out there or that he would abandon his family. Although I am working on a different case right now where a woman has been missing for over 40 years and still has not been presumed dead. So it is interesting to compare. I just have to say this case stresses me out a lot and feels the most relatable, like I said earlier, of the cases we've covered. This could be you, Sean. I don't think you'd ever wander off from me in a situation like this, nor would we be going to a strip club. But Brittany said it was out of character for Tyler to walk off like this. So it just feels real and scary. And I guess my learning lesson here is to never let anyone walk off like this. And that's not to place the blame on Brittany or John because it's not their fault. 
that this happened? Who would have thought that he would just completely disappear? It also breaks my heart that Brittany lost her husband, Aaron lost his father at such a young age, and Tyler's parents lost their son. Brittany shared this heartbreaking detail in her True Crime Garage interview about how in the days following Tyler's disappearance, Aaron would bring Brittany Tyler's video game controller and say, Dada, because he used to sit on his lap sometimes when Tyler would play his games. Tyler is a white male standing at 5'10". He's somewhere between 170 and 195 pounds, depending on the source. He has brown hair and brown eyes. He has a noticeable red birthmark on his right arm that starts on his hand and extends the top right part of his back and chest, which could help identify him. And he was 29 years old at the time of his disappearance, and he would be 34 years old today. If you have any information related to the disappearance of Tyler Davis, please contact the Columbus Police Department at 614-645-4545 or Central Ohio Crime Stoppers at 614-645-4749. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. I really want to know what people think in this case. Clearly, Sean and I are stumped, puzzled, baffled, everything. And if you'd like to see photos related to this case, you can check out our Instagram at Key to the Case Podcast. And we'd also really appreciate if you left us a five-star review or rating wherever you listen to our podcast. That's all for this episode. We will be back next week with a new case. Bye. Bye. <laughs>